On that note, I would like to introduce our first keynote speaker for the day. I've been following uh, Dr. Wesley Breyer for quite some time now, as I know several of you have uh, been following him. And uh, he really is a role model for the learning mindset. If you always walk, it quickly becomes evident that Dr. Breyer exemplifies the belief that empowering students through technology starts with the learning mindset. Curiosity, providing an authentic task, and creating opportunities for students to share is at the heart of Wesley's professional practice. Dr. Fryer is a digital learning consultant, author, digital storyteller, educator, and changing agent. With respect to school change, Wes describes himself as a catalyst for creative engagement and collaborative learning. I follow his blog, Moving at the Speed of Creativity, as many of you do too. And what I always find so wonderful about following that blog is that I can always count on the fact that he's going to provide me with some very practical um, strategies that I can actually implement in the classroom within the next day. I can not only see what it looks like, I can have the opportunity to delve into some of the tools that he would he, um, suggest. And I, I personally, um, find that his blog motivates me. And I think that that's the most important thing to know. I've given you um, a write-up about Dr. Wesley Fryer in the um, flyer, and it goes through all of his um, credentials, all the different awards that he's won. But I think the bottom line is, is that this is a man who has a passion to share his learning with others, and uh, I hope that you consider following him in the future. I think that you would find him um, a refreshing look on how technology has have an impact in classroom. So if we could all welcome Dr. Wesley Fryer. Well, good morning. Are you are you able to hear me okay, Jacqueline? Yay, for technology that works. Well, this is a very challenging time to connect to you from Oklahoma because we are in the middle of all our state testing, and the fun doesn't end until really May the 3rd, and so we uh, have every computer that is available in our district right now um, tasked for, for student testing and student assessments. But even though we are in the midst of assessments, we have still had some of our teachers using technology and engaging our kids with tools and what I hope to do today, more than anything, is to inspire you with some practical ideas that you can take back to your classroom, if not tomorrow, then maybe next week or in the next two weeks, because these are some ideas that um, we've been using here in uh, Yukon, America. I'm, I'm coming to you actually from just west of Oklahoma City. And uh, it is 36 degrees Fahrenheit, and I should have gotten a centigrade um, uh, translation for you. I don't think I'm probably going to get much in the way of sympathy uh, from you all. And with Jacqueline's initial comment, uh, has winter revisited Saskatchewan? Is that? Yes, it certainly has. Well, th this has been a, uh, a crazy, a crazy weather, weather time for us as well. Um, and it's challenging, I think, also as far as, as technology goes. Um, let me say uh, at, the, at the very beginning that I have created a, a short list 
um, that I think um, Jacqueline can email out to you all um, after this. I'm going to be sort of low-tech with my Skype, and I'm going to hold up this sign that says this address. I've created what's called a listly address, so if you have a laptop or an iPad or any other kind of device, you can go to the link list, L-I-S-T, dot L-Y, and then you're going to put a slash and the number four, a Q as in Quebec, and an R, little r as in Romeo. And that's going to take you to a list of resources for things that we're going to talk about today and discuss. And I'm actually going to um, give you a little bit of time to uh, chat with your neighbor uh, just briefly about a, a, an initial question, and then I'm going to invite Jacqueline and Scott to uh, solicit a volunteer to come up. We might, we may even have more than one, um, <laughs> because one of the things about Skype, I'm delighted to be able to be with you all today from all the way in the middle of the United States. But Skype works best as an interactive technology. You know, when we, uh, because you could, we could, I could have obviously recorded a video of this presentation, and you could just see it, but. I think that I'm abusing the tool if I don't use it interactively, because that's what, what Skype does so well. Um, and while it's something we can use with, with large groups, um, it really is good to be a little personal. So um, I'll first tell you a quick story about what's behind me. I'm in my office um, in the administration building, and I'm a instructional coach working with teachers from kindergarten through 12th grade, um, and I'm called an instructional coach for the Common Core, which is this new movement that 45 of our states have adopted. And to me, one of, one of the most important parts of the Common Core is the idea of elevating our expectations for what students can do and for what they can not only learn but create and show. And, and my challenge to you today is to think about the question, what are my students going to create today? Uh, what am I going to create today? A lot of times in school, uh, we do make things, but we may not be creating things that really leave the door open to creativity. And um, several weeks this semester, I've been working with students with Scratch, and so some of our uh, first, second, and third graders wrote a whole bunch of thank you notes um, about the program Scratch, by a show of hands, how many of you have heard of Scratch before? So there's a, there's a few. Um, and I'm not going to talk at length about Scratch, but to, to let you know a little bit about what warms my heart, um, some of these notes that say, thank you for sharing Scratch, which is a program kids, a free program kids can use to make games, to tell stories, to make animations. The ones that say, you know, I shared it with my family and we're doing it at home now is so exciting to me because... We live in a day of incredible opportunity for learning. This last week with the bombings that happened in Boston, I know that I was sort of wondering what life was like in our world before current events, you know, before the telegraph, before we could uh, be riveted to some kind of a communication device listening to news from across the country and, you know, in some cases being more fearful because of what we heard. Um, but even though there's a downside to technology, there are incredible positives. And so um, th there's two primary things I want to talk, about, talk with you today about. 
The first one is ebooks, and the second one is going to be a project idea called narrated art. And so what I want you to do um, right now is turn to your neighbor, and I want you to take about 60 seconds, and um, I'll wave my arms and, and maybe we can uh, have uh, Scott help get your attention here in just a second. I'll give you, I'll give you uh, a minute and a half. Maybe I'll start a timer on my, on my iPad. Um, and the question I want you to talk with your neighbor about is, how do you see ebooks not just being more of the same, but different? How can they add something transformative that we couldn't have before or we couldn't do before with just paper books? Okay? All right, so that is your question. How can ebooks be transformative? I'm going to start a little timer here, turn to your neighbor and talk, and then I'm going to see if we can get some volunteers to share. Go. So if I can have your, have your attention again. Now is the time when you get to volunteer your neighbor, so I'm sure that in the midst of those discussions you heard some good ideas, and you don't have to necessarily be the one to come up, but uh, if you would like to nominate someone who uh, was speaking around you with some good ideas about ebooks and how they're transformative, uh, please nominate them, and Jacqueline or Scott or someone who's up front can kind of bring them up, and I'd like you to introduce yourself, tell me your name, uh, what you teach, and then a little bit about what you all talked about in your group. And if you want to actually give them the microphone, you, you could do that, too. Can Hello. Hello. Hello, my name is Linda. Hello, Linda. What do you I, teach? I teach at a school where all our students are have multiple handicaps. So we use ebooks all the time where we can share them in a in a larger group. Our students can can control turn paging or page turning with switches that they may um, use by nodding their head or pulling their arm or all kinds of things. So we can and we can really personalize it. How does it get personalized? Well, we've actually made some of our own with our students. Uh, and uh, most of them are nonverbal, but they can use their eyes to uh, communicate. Each student has a unique way of communicating, but we can use their communication to tell us what they want us to, to type or show on the on the page, and then turn the page, make a new page, and then they can show that to their their classmates. Awesome. So let me ask you this. Why would you spend the time having students create ebooks? There's obviously a lot of books created out there. What's the value in having students be the ones who are authoring and creating? Well, partly, especially for our students, they don't have a lot of opportunity to express themselves. So we definitely use ready made ebooks all the time. But this also gives them an opportunity to share parts of their world with the rest of us. Have you had any create um, ebooks using signs? So being able to sign and, and take video? Uh, not so much signing. Uh, because they're multiply handicapped, a lot of them don't have use of their arms very and their hands very um, purposefully, or, or at least where they can sign even idiosyncratically. So most of the time it's. Um, giving them a few choices that they can either use eye gaze or scanning on computers to choose. Um, but it, it does open the world of literacy to our students when they can't turn pages themselves and stuff like that. 
So, what, who have you shared those books with, and what has been the result of the sharing of the books after they were created? Okay, so first of all, it would be classmates, like the, the teachers and then some, or, or the other students in the classroom. Sometimes the other staff and students within the school. And we do have visitors, and there's times where we've shared that um, book with a student from, like a more typical student from another school that came to visit. And also parents. Parents sometimes get teary just <laughs> reading it and, and seeing it. Why do you think that's um, a valuable thing for a parent versus just a written report card like we're used to being, you know, providing for, for kids? Even if we have a report card with a journal entry and, and a paragraph about behavior, why, why is an ebook their kid has created, their, student, their child has created, what value does that have compared to the regular report card? Well, I think because it's from them. A lot of it is from them. And, and they don't speak, but it can sort of speak for them. Right. As opposed to us telling them stuff they already know. Showing them. All right. Well, awesome. Can you, and, and you're Linda, is that right? That's right. All right. Please give Linda a hand for being brave and coming up to the front. Yay. Okay. Uh, let's, get, let's get one more volunteer. We've had a female volunteer. How about a male volunteer to come up and talk a little bit about ebooks? And what what you what you saw is or what you see is transformative about ebooks. I'm gonna use the back with sunglasses on your head. Uh, <laughs> 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 Don't tell me. <laughs> All right, I thought I could con you. I don't know. Uh, Lance, want to come up? Brennan, I'm just running names that I know now. Uh, Mickey, Mickey's brother. No, thanks, guys. Okay. Uh, let's see now. Uh, Corey, your teacher librarian. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Are you Corey? <laughs> yeah. Hello, Corey. What, uh, what, what do you do? I'm a teacher librarian this year. And what grades? Uh, high school. All right. So, how do you see ebooks as being not just more of the same with books, but different? Uh, we've had lots of talks this year in the librarian world a bit about the use of them or what's coming. Uh, I personally have tried uh, using them a little bit, and it's a different reading experience, that's for sure. But uh, the fact that you can uh, carry your library with you is, is valuable. You can have a lot of materials at your fingertips that normally you might not. And with the device now, some of the um, internet capabilities, you can instantly go look up words, you go look up ideas as you read them, it kind of tangent off, separate than if you had only the paper copy. I find that interesting. Right. What um, Are you reading on Kindle, or what kind of an ebook have you, ebook platforms have you read on so far? Um, I had a Kindle or something early on, but that was before they had internet. This was just a straight reader. Okay. Uh, but I would use a, a tablet type thing, like a Samsung tablet. Our family has Okay. Very good. All right. Well, please give Corey a hand for being brave, stepping up to the microphone. Thank you, Corey. All right. So it's interesting, uh, whether it's with adults or with students, when we ask learners to, you know, step up to the front and to interact and participate, the stakes are a little bit different. Um, and one of the things that I'm convinced we need to do more of in school and out of school is shift from just being the consumer and the watcher and the reader to being the active content creator 
And one of the most important things all of us need to help students be today is media literate. We are in a world filled with media, whether we're in the checkout stand, in the grocery store, whether we're looking you know, online somewhere. The, the devices that are in our pockets and in our purses are just amazing. I was uh, reading an article this week about Google Glasses, and these are only you know, limited, I think, to about 10,000 people worldwide that are having them. But this is literally uh, a set of glasses that you're going to wear, and eventually you'll be able to put them on with contact lenses. But it has the screen right you know, attached to your glasses. And they are working with something called uh, Google Now, which is a card-based system. And part of the idea is that you'll be able to get information relevant to your day wherever you happen to be, but then you're also going to be able to um, access the Internet, look things up with voice commands that you give to your, to your glasses. You're going to be able to um, also record video or take pictures. Um, I think it's 720p video, which means it's like a DVD. It's that quality of video. Uh, and the glasses, uh, in this first version, you know, have, a, have 16 gigabytes of memory, 12 gigabytes of memory to be able to record. It is hard to get our head around this world of technology and information. And I would say the easiest thing for us to do today is, number one, become more overwhelmed, and number two, become more fearful. Because every one of us is already overwhelmed, I think, just as a result of being alive today with the changes that have happened and so many things coming at us. And there's probably a good deal of fear as far as the use of these tools with students. And I started by asking you about books because as I have been advocating for years to try and help teachers and for myself as a teacher, using tools in ways that help reach students, help them demonstrate their knowledge and understanding, and help them do it in different ways. Linda gave us some great examples of that with her kids who are not able to necessarily write and speak and even sign, but yet have ways to communicate, and technology can help them do that. Um, that I think that's the, the key focus here. It's not, let's use technology because it's cool. Let's use technology because I like technology. It's let's use technology that can help us learn in transformative ways, communicate in transformative ways, and be equipped to be literate in 2013. Because the knowledge and skills that we need today to be literate are not the same as what we had you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, we get more and more of our information literally at the speed of light, and that poses challenges. Each one of us has opportunities to be a publisher of information as well as a consumer. By a show of hands, how many of you are on um, either... Um, um, what am I trying to say? Um, my mind is a blank. Um, I'm thinking of the photo sharing, the uh, Pinterest. You can tell I'm not a Pinterest user. Any Pinterest users that are there? All right. Pinterest has, has been extremely popular. How many of you are on Facebook? Do we have any Facebook users? A few? Okay. Um, you know, these kinds of technologies are not used by everyone. Uh, we shouldn't assume that everybody's using them, but... Um, 
these are, are growing technologies because they're very accessible and they allow us to communicate, but they allow us to, um, well, not allow us, they actually cause us to be responsible in many ways um, for publishing and for sharing things that, in ways that we might not have before. So what I'd like to do, and, and uh, if you want to pull up the links that, that I gave you the, the uh, little hot list to, um, what I would like to do right now is share a couple different books with you um, that are ebooks, and I think talking about a, an ebook is a good conversation to have with with all the different people we know, from children and students to other teachers to grandparents and and uh, others older folks in our community, because all of us have prior experience with books. If you say terms like podcast, uh, newsreader, um, blog. You know, those words, people, you know, might just turn you off. What is that? I'm not interested in that. But when we say book, I haven't found anyone in any school, in any country, <laughs> that says, we don't want any of that. You know, we're not interested in books. And so what I want you to think about as I shared um, a couple examples with you is, what's transformative about this ebook example? How is this ebook not just... Um, some uh, some of the same, more of the same of what we've got. Because you can get that. We can get a lot of text, and Project Gutenberg has, I don't know, 60,000 you know, free books that are in the public domain. You can get a lot of quantity. But with e-books, you can also get something different. And so, again, I'm going to be doing kind of a low-tech share here, holding this up to my screen. Um, but this is an e-book that's called Our Batak House, and it was created by a teacher named Jane who is in Indonesia, and her students created this. And so I'm going to turn the volume up here a little bit on my book, and I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to play this both in English and I'm going to play this in uh, their native Batak tongue. We live in this house. Were you able to hear that, or is that too quiet? Yeah, that's good. You could hear it? Okay. My name is Mika Sianipar. All right, I'm going to uh, skip ahead in the book a little bit, and I'm going to go to um, the part where they talk about TV and their little sister. We are watching TV. Our little sister isn't watching TV because she is sleeping. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole thing. There's about 20 pages to the book. We've got pictures, we have text. And we have audio that the students have recorded. And they talk about their kitchen and their back kitchen where they cook. They have a rice field behind their, um, behind their home where they live. And then we've got about the author. Uh, the author is 12 years old. He wrote the text for this story. Um, he goes to school in Toba, which is in Indonesia. He hopes to be a soccer player for the national Indonesian team. And then it talks about who um, read the English text and, and a little bit about Jane Ross. And then we can see a map of um, Indonesia and where they are and a little bit more about their project. So what I'd like you to do, and I'm just going to give you 60 seconds this time, I want you to turn to your neighbor and talk about that book example and discuss what is transformative about that book example as an e-book. 
Okay? You have 60 seconds. Go. All right. I can get your attention. Hey, look at that. We can flash the lights. Good trick. All right. We need another volunteer, someone who's bold and brave to come up and share something that you talked about at your table and with your group about what was transformative about that ebook, Our Batak House, which, by the way, is available free. You can download that um, from the, the link that I provided there on your um, list of, of hot links. So we need someone brave to come up. Let's go all through this time. Lance, come on down. Thank you. <laughs> and thank, thank Carter for too. Um, Just right there, Lance, right in the seat, in the hot seat. Hello, Lance, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I actually have a little dry mouth, and I'm wishing I had gotten a glass of water, but you know what? I'm going to survive the next 20 minutes. I'd help you out if I could, but it's a little... That's okay, that's all right, I'm going to make it. Uh, what What do you teach and do for the schools? Uh, I'm a senior science teacher, so I teach mostly physics and chemistry at uh, Mount Royal Collegiate. Okay. What did you see and what did folks at your table talk about being transformative with that ebook? Well, we just thought of language acquisition initially, and then I thought uh, the school I teach at has got uh, the highest First Nations uh, population of all the high schools. We also have the largest EAL where English is an additional language. So I thought we're always trying to bridge the gap and make connections between the population. So I thought this would be a great way of First Nations kids talking about their own culture and in some cases learning about their own culture because a lot of them are um, in the city and don't get a lot of um, experience on reserves and that sort of thing. And the other thing was we have kids from all over Asia and Africa um, at our school and them talking about in some cases, I think uh, the uh, their situation at home and what that's about, the ability to talk in your own tongue and then have the time to translate it over time, I think would be empowering to them. Right, absolutely. What, what are the opportunities your First Nation students have now to, um, I guess, access books as, and, and also the oral language? Do they have opportunities now in school to do that, or what would those look like? Well, uh, yeah, I think they do, perhaps not to this extent, but uh, we have obviously language labs. We have a uh, ceremonial circle as part of the building where they have uh, uh, ceremonies every Thursday morning where they talk. I mean, we're in a large circle and you sit around and talk about your week, talk about your day, talk about the challenges, that sort of thing. But not all the kids take advantage of that. I think there's a small portion that actually get involved. So there's always opportunity for um, improvement in that regard, I think. Right. Okay. Well, awesome. Can you all give Lance a hand for being brave, coming up and getting the microphone? So I live in Oklahoma, and I'm kind of a transplant. We've lived here about eight years. I, I grew up in Kansas and uh, lived in uh, actually five different states in the USA because my dad was military in the Air Force. And, um, you know, when I moved to Oklahoma, learning that we have 36 sovereign nations, and those are just the federally recognized tribes. We have even more tribes here, um, but we have 36 federally recognized tribes, was a real eye-opener. And um, I think that the, that language aspect is is huge. Um, we We live in a diverse society. We live in a diverse world. Yet, 
we don't have nearly, I think, enough opportunities to be able to learn in a deep way, in a meaningful way, um, from folks who may just even be in our community, but yet we haven't, we don't necessarily have those kinds of opportunities. So um, this is a wonderful project that Jane Ross has started to not only um, help students, you know, develop their literacy skills and, and create ebooks, but to also preserve the language um, that her tribe that she's been adopted into, um, you know, still speaks, but there's a, a, a very small number of people, relatively speaking, that know the language and have a chance to speak the language. I'm going to learn in the first week of July whether this grant is going to come through, but I've worked with a, a group of people um, that have been writing a grant for uh, students in eastern Oklahoma to work with members of the Cherokee Nation to develop uh, resources that will help preserve the oral language and the stories of tribal elders in the Cherokee Nation and allow students in the schools to not only access those but then also have opportunities to create. And so this particular ebook is one of the most amazing that I have seen so far. Um, I think it's transformative in, in multiple ways, and one of the most important is that it not only has the text and it has the images, but it also has the audio, and it gives us an opportunity to hear the voice, which has a texture and a power and even a magic that is different than just reading something. One of the things that we're emphasizing in our schools to a greater degree now because of this Common Core movement is oral language communication. Students being able to express themselves verbally and practicing that and then doing that with technology. And while the video part of smartphones and, and iPads and, and different tablets is exciting, I firmly believe audio is very underutilized in our classrooms today. Um, if we were to shoot a video with a smartphone or some other kind of device, it's going to take up more memory, it's going to take up more space, it's going to take longer for us to transfer it. You know, even for this Skype to call today, I, I had grabbed a, a light because, you know, I was a little bit dark and I was having to worry about other things. Uh, you know, I'm checking my tie, hopefully I shaved, you know. There's things i got to worry about if I'm on video. But if I'm using audio... I don't have to worry about many of those things, and I have the opportunity to record it multiple times. We're live right now today. I didn't have any idea what Lance was going to say or Corey was going to say or Linda was going to say. You know, we're interacting, and that is positive and good, but as a student, uh, what, do, what do we say or hear people talk about with public speaking and fear? How much do people fear public speaking? A little bit? A lot? A lot, like some people more than death. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something you hear tossed around. We are public speakers in our classrooms all the time in school, um, but if we're asked to step in front of a large group, you know, of, of peers or, or whoever, that can be a, a, a different situation. So I want you to think about the power and also the simplicity of recorded audio. And I'm going to show you um, another ebook example, and then we're going to talk about something that's even more basic than ebooks and something that's called narrated art. Um, but um, let me give you um, a chance as you uh, see this example 
to think about what your students might do. Um, I'm not going to open up, well, I'm not going to play it at length, but probably about a year and a half ago, I helped my daughter, who's now in third grade, uh, create a book that she had, had written at school, and it was called Snowflake Gets Lost. And her uh, friend, uh, Maddie, had drawn pictures, and we, uh, you know, we took took photographs of these pictures, put this online, and um, recorded her voice. And so this was something that, you know, took a few hours on a Saturday. And while that is exciting, what I'm even more excited about is students being able to directly create media like this without a tremendous amount of, of time needed on the part of the teacher to fix it and, to, and basically to process it and to get it all ready. And so what I'm going to show you right now is um, an e-book that was created by one of our fifth grade classes this semester in UConn. One of our writing teachers was um, studying idioms and helping the kids learn about idioms. And as you look at this book, and what I'm going to give you some time to talk about is, what kind of an e-book could your students create that would allow them to record their voice and would give a bigger window into what you're doing in school and also what kids are learning. So this is Idioms by Mrs. Burgess's class, and we've got a, a description here on this page, and then we can listen to them Put on your thinking describing it. Uh, so an idiom is an expression that doesn't mean what the words say. It's not the literal meaning of the words. Put your head in the game. Now these are a little bit quiet. Can you hear those at all? Is that too quiet for you to hear? Uh, first two we could hear the first two you could hear a little bit. Okay, so um, I, you know there's there are um, there's a lot of different examples. One of the links that I gave you on your site, um, and I'm so excited about this, is until just a few months ago, the only way to listen to these that I knew of was to have an iPad or to have an iPhone. And guess what? Most of our students don't have technology like that. So there is a project called Readium, and I have a link to that on the list, and they have a free extension for Google Chrome, which is a free web browser that Google has, that allows you to now play, listen, and watch ebooks that include audio and embedded video. So it's possible to be able to do that um, not only on a iOS device, but also just on any web browser. So let me give you about 60 seconds, and what I want you to do is talk to your neighbor. If you were to create an ebook, let's say in the next week or two with your students, what is a subject that you could see your students doing that ties with your curriculum, things that you've been learning, but the audio piece would really add an enhancement to that. All right? Take 60 seconds and talk. Go. So I'm not going to have somebody come up and actually share that this time, but what I am going to do is encourage you, if you are on the Today's Meet that um, Jacqueline mentioned that was created for today, or if you're on Twitter and you want to use the hashtag for today, which is Teachnology2013, Go ahead and type one of those ideas um, of an ebook or something that, that um, a, a curriculum topic that you could see your students creating an ebook for, and go ahead and share that. Um, I am very, very excited about getting kids more interested in literacy, in reading, in writing, and in communicating. 
And part of what we need to do today is not only help kids learn to communicate with text and, and orally, like we have been doing for, for quite a while in this world, but also with media and with technology. And when students have an opportunity to record, they get to put their best foot forward. You and I don't really have any idea how many times it took those fifth graders um, that Ms. Hoagie is, is teaching to get their idiom recording just right. They may have done it one time. They may have done it five times. But they were able to record until they were happy with it, and then they were able to share it. And so audio is really an exciting um, example of that. And I guess as a final ebook story before I move on to narrated art, I'll tell you a, um, a story about my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law is the librarian in Allen, Texas, and I, I don't know if it was Salon. There was a, a big expose about their, their football stadium because I think they spent more money on their football stadium than any other you know, town in the whole United States, just millions and millions of dollars. They have a huge high school. They're the second largest high school in Texas. And Jana has had macular degeneration for a number of years, and she's been a librarian for a number of years. And until she got an ebook, she was having to only listen to her books. She was not able to read her books anymore. But when she got her first Kindle, and she saw that you can increase, or she was helped to see, that you can increase the size of the text as large as you need it to, suddenly she was able to read again and be able to read books. And I don't know about you, but that's a hallelujah moment in my, in my book. Um, because that capacity of technology to open up a door that wasn't open before, even with something as simple as increasing the size of the text to be able to accommodate the needs of the learner, is really a big deal. And so I want to encourage you to continue exploring ebooks to explore creating ebooks with students, and that could even be a member of your family, a child, a grandchild, um, a neighbor, um, because capturing a child's voice, having them read, um, has a lot of value, and there are so many different things that we can do with audio. So that's one of the important encouragements that I want to uh, share with you. Um, Scott, how are we doing on that uh, YouTube video? Do you have that um, the video queued up? Okay. Well, what I'd like to do now is um, is shift gears a, just a little bit and talk about a project idea called um, narrated art. And um, the example that I want to show show you, we recorded in one of our libraries here in Yukon last uh, semester. And it's a project that is encouraging kids to uh, read more, but they're sharing their book reports in an innovative way. So I'm going to ask uh, Scott to go ahead and share this video from YouTube. It's, all, it's linked on your, your site of, uh, of, of links for today. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of time to talk at, at your table about what's transformative about this kind of a book report. So let's go ahead and take a look at that video if we can, Scott. Basically, every year we do a big challenge around the Sequoia book where kids are challenged to read every book on the Sequoia nominated list. 
Um, now, what we've done this year is we actually have a QR code. Each student will create a digital recording of their book review for every book that they read. And then we'll attach a QR code to their book review and then have that online for other students to share and enjoy. Um, at the end of the year and during the course of the year, other students will be able to scan the QR code and find out more about that book and hopefully get other students interested in reading that as well. So, Lindsay, how are you doing this? How, how are they recording it and how is this working? Well, we'll be using the iPads and iPod Touches here in the library and basically on Friday afternoons they'll come and make an audio recording that's going to be uploaded onto AudioBoo. It's an app that's free that you can put on your um, device. And um, that website basically will have a publisher from that website and will attach a QR code that will, that will send the link um, to the audio recording. All right, very good. How can people connect if they'd like to see some of these audio recordings? Um, all they have to do is go to audioboo.com and they can go to our page, which is IES. All right, thanks. Hi, this is Nick, and I'm going to explain you about how to do a hippopotamus and how you use the... Uh, First, you have to read the book, and then once you're done, you write a script about it, and then you, on Fridays, you come here and you, and first you have to, you have to see if you like it and see if it's good, and then you use the iPads. Um, I've done about seven or eight, and what you do is press record, and do it again. And if you don't, and if you say the and if you don't like it, then press cancel, delete check. Hi, this is Gigi, and I'm going to tell you about how you listen to the QR codes. Well, you scan, you scan one of these with your, your parents, you might have an iPhone or a smartphone, and you can download the app so that you can just click and you can get one of these for Clinton's, and you just scan them. And it will show you all the recordings that people have done, and you can listen to all of them, like once my once my like this
Oh, I like a reward at the end. Okay, I'm going to give you about 60 seconds to talk with your neighbor. I want you to talk about how, what benefit and value do you see in that project, and are there any ways you see that as a transformative use of technology? Again, not just more of the same with same old, same old book report, but how, how is that transformative? All right, you've got 60 seconds. Go. So we're going to get one more volunteer to come up and share. Um, and this, you, oh, we've got one jumping up right now. Awesome. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? Brennan. Tell me your name one more time, please. Brennan. Brennan? Yeah. Brennan, what do you do and teach? Um, I teach at Aiden Bowman, and I teach uh, business and technologies. Okay, awesome. What did you talk about at your table as far as benefits of that? Well, first, that was really freaking cute. Uh, <laughs> we thought it was adorable. Uh, there was... Uh, I asked the question, well, what does the traditional book report look like? And it's, you know, a, a student delivering the sort of an oral um, recounting of the book to 30 people, and then it's gone, and it's done, and the only people that have been exposed to it are the people in the classroom, and, uh, and that's it. And it was nice to see that, you know, there's a permanence attached to this now, and, uh, you know, the built databases that anyone can look at, and it's, it's there for uh, everyone, and also that, the, you know, the perspective of, of the student is not lost. And right. the process that's retained for other generations and, and for, you know, more a, a, a much larger audience of people. Potentially right. Potentially an unlimited audience. And that idea of being able to preserve a learning moment and then shift it where a grandparent who doesn't even live in the same, you know, state uh, or, or place can see that, that's certainly powerful. What do you think about the value to the student? Um, did you all talk about that or what are your thoughts about the student who's creating it? What value do you think it has for them? Well, I think all you needed to do was was look at how proud they were of their creations. Um, you know, that's engagement. That's uh, building confidence in students. And you ask any parent, myself included, what you want for your kids, and you want them to be confident and excited about about their learning. And you could, they, I mean, that clearly came across uh, from from those two students that were speaking about their experiences. So I thought that was really fun. Absolutely. All right. Please give Brendan a hand for being brave and coming right up. Thank you, Brendan. Um, and Scott, if you could go up and, and cue that second video, we'll do that one here in just a, another minute, the, the uh, uh, musical tutorial of Audioboo. Okay. Um, I am in love with Audioboo, and I am in no way, re you know, connected to their company. I don't get any kind of kickback for sharing them, but I've used a lot of different tools, and here's what I love about Audioboo. Number one, it's free, all right? We love free in education. Uh, you can do up to three-minute recordings. Number two, you can use a regular web browser on any platform, Windows computer, Macintosh computer, Apple, and they have free apps for the iOS or, or the Apple platform as well as for Android. And I also love how you can connect a picture to what you've recorded. And uh, there are tons of things that you can do with technology. But unfortunately, sometimes the projects we hold up are so complicated and take so long that we feel intimidated to jump in and try it. And Audioboo and a, and a narrated art project is something your kids can absolutely do today, tomorrow, next week. Um, the, the instructional strategy of having kids create an illustration, a drawing, to represent their ideas has some sound instructional 
uh, research behind it. Um, we'll call it non-linguistic representation. And Robert Marzano's 2004 book, Classroom Instruction That Works, you know, looks at all these different strategies that improve student achievement. Non-linguistic representation is there. You know, student time on task is, is there too. So if we get students to spend more time working with their content, working with their book, creating something, guess what happens to their learning? It goes up. So it's not true or, or, or um, honest for us to say, using technology increases student achievement. Um, there's not research that shows that. You know, did the film strip projector increase your student achievement? Did the overhead projector, or do you remember the opaque projector? Did you all have those? Uh, the, the, they got, do you remember how hot an opaque projector is? Anybody nodding there? Did you, guys, did you all have any of those where you, you could put a book under it? Yeah. I mean, wow, that was a high tech, right? That didn't increase student achievement, but what do we do with the technology? And as students create content, as they become more engaged and spend more time, as they're challenged to non-linguistically represent what they know, draw pictures of it, and as we get parents more involved, because that was, you know, Brennan's, one of his first points was preserving the moment, letting parents and others Hear the book report, you know, even after the fact is a, is a real powerful thing. So the last video I want to show you, and I'll uh, have a closing thought, is an amazing, I think maybe two-minute video that Tricia Fugelstadt, who is an elementary art teacher in the Chicago area, created recently. Uh, this, this Thursday, um, I'm going on a field trip to our history center with my daughter's third-grade class. And one of the things that I'm going to do and encourage other parents to do on the trip is to install Audioboo on their phone, whatever, if they've got a smartphone of any kind, and then ask the kids to record some, some uh, ideas as we go around the museum as, and as we see stuff. And so Tricia did that at the Chicago Museum of Art. I think maybe this was two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And then she created this short little video to try and communicate how wonderful Audioboo can be to help your students record ideas and then be able to share them and put them on websites that they can access and parents can access. So let's take a look at that if we can, Scott. creative uh, promo for Audioboo than I think I'm able, able to give. But it was so neat to see Tricia, um, or real virtually, 
use that idea of, of putting AudioBoo on smartphones. We're going on a field trip. Let's document our learning and find ways to be able to share that and extend the learning that we're doing. So um, I hope that today you've, you've been inspired with some new ideas. Um, I was sitting here looking at our list, thinking how cool it is that the inspiration from today literally came from around the world. Uh, Jane Ross is in Indonesia. If I wasn't connected on Twitter and didn't have um, a, another friend in Indonesia who is, has sent me resources, um, I wouldn't have learned about our Batak House, which I think is an amazing ebook and an example of how languages and culture, how a virtual field trip can be so much richer inside an electronic text. Um, having uh, resources from Audioboo, um, having that example of uh, video. What's this? I found that in our professional development library. Well, and, and just video. My, my office mate, Adam, here just handed me this. Do you remember this? Do you still do you still have these? I mean, do you remember how challenging it, it had been at one time to get video? Do you remember 16-millimeter tape? I mean, I remember teachers showing 16-millimeter tapes when I was in elementary school. It used to be much more challenging to get media into the classroom. But today, we have seen examples of videos from around the world being shared online for free, um, and that's exciting. But what I hope you'll, you'll see as even more exciting is this idea of kids creating content. What are you going to create today? What are your kids going to create today? And how are you going to help them create things that aren't just more of the same, but just like we heard Linda talk about with ebooks, they are going to allow your students to express things and show things that they might not have been able to do, certainly in a captured form that could be shown to parents or put into a portfolio or something else like that. So um, my encouragement to you is to start playing with media and to create with some of these tools because there's all kinds of fancy stuff you can do, but even with just recorded audio and a picture, there are fantastic ways we can engage students, help them develop their media literacy alongside their traditional literacy, and also do things we know are important, like engage with parents, um, show parents a better picture of what's happening in our class, and get kids more engaged and excited, proud of their work, and able to share their best work, not only with their peers, but potentially with a global audience. So I wish you all luck, and I want to thank Jacqueline and Scott and all your organizers for the opportunity to share a little bit with you all today. I do want to thank you. Um, you again, as always, challenge us to think uh, what in transformative ways beyond just the, the glitter of the technology, but to actually how it can impact the learning in a deeper uh, sense for our kids. And at the same time, you provided us with some very practical examples, and that's what I always appreciate appreciate about you, is that uh, you have the pedagogy, but you also give the practical. So uh, again, on behalf of Saskatoon Public School Division and all of these wonderful people that have joined us today, I want to thank you very, very much. Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, and let's have a round of applause for Scott. He was the man with the technology in the front. Yes. 
videos work. Skype works. Technology is a great thing when it works, and it did today, so that's good. Thank you very much for the links, and I know that many of us will follow up with that. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, man. That worked out really well. Yeah, that's a really good session. That, I mean, because it's you just don't want to be a talking head for 15 no. minutes. I mean, no matter what you do. Especially with a group that's set. No, having them come up to interact with you face-to-face was good. It's a good yeah. way to... Well, and see, I've gotten that from just using Skype in other situations because it's that is absolutely the most meaningful way to use sure. it. It does raise the stakes, you know, so you're like, oh, I don't yeah. go up and all that, but anyway, yeah, that was, yeah. that went well. It's good. We've got the, got the fancy light a lot better than I've got at my house. Yeah. Probably should invest in some lights. Did you?